Hello and welcome to the Power on the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, going well. We know it's been a couple of weeks off now, I think, but um, I think most of the NBA world's probably taken a bit of a backseat for March Madness anyway. Yes. So, Who's your team of choice, Caddy, in March Madness? Have you got a team well, you zero in on? Oh, normally a St. Mary's man, and um, clearly with the Aussie connection, but um, yeah, they got thundered out in the second round, I think it was. They got through the first one, but um, couldn't get past USA LA, I think it was yesterday or the day before, so they uh, that's the end of them. And, and I think the other team I generally you know, follow because they're in the same uh, conference over in the West Coast Conference, it's Gonzaga, who um, are their arch rival over there. Um, but they've um, they've been a yeah, perennial one seed really the last three or four seasons, and um, yeah, they're looking pretty strong again. They had a, a bit of a bit of a scare in the game um, they played yesterday, but uh, on the back of Drew Timmy, they um, had a monster second half with twenty one points, and he's seen them safely proceed to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, very good, Caddy. I know you enjoy <laughs> your your college ball. I, I gives gives me nothing to be honest. The college ball, it's a, some very average standard. Uh, of basketball being played by most guys that you'll never ever hear of again, but uh, it does suck a lot of people in, Caddy. But then, <laughs> also, we had we had the big power of the key uh, challenge, I suppose, this week in fantasy, where you just dusted me off seven four and and booked your place in in the uh, playoffs, Caddy. How are you feeling heading into uh, the first week of playoffs? Um, well, we're a bit flat once the seedings came out. We were just chatting online, or sort of there was a bit of a. Uh, log jam there between the third and eighth seed, pretty much, and it was sort of pretty hard to predict or manufacture where you're going to finish in the end. Of I had a solid win seven four, but I think I dropped the I dropped the seed, and then in the end, um, one of my arch rivals, Black Magic, who we probably think might be the favourite going in, he, he got looking up very good. He is yes, yeah. So I've probably copped a tougher than expected first round matchup, but um, as we know, we've said it all year. As long as you get there, anything can happen, and um, yeah, we're we. We're glad we uh, punched our ticket. Yes, anything can happen, Caddy. You can. You might even have Alexei Pokachevsky go three for twenty <laughs> to uh, blow a category for you. But uh, not, not that I'm upset about that, Caddy. I'm happy that you you got in there, and, and good luck next week. And of course, you, you did say that we we didn't record last week because you were doing your your Super Coach AFL fantasy uh, draft, Caddy. And you had pick two in the draft, and who did you settle on with pick two in the in the AFL draft? So we went with uh, Clayton Oliver in that one, and yeah, I was just thinking, just as Clarence. you're saying, <laughs> I've been in another draft. You wonder why your marriage is on the rock sometimes half the time. And, uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Bree loves you spending all your time doing fantasy <laughs> games, Caddy. Yeah, no, she's thrilled about it. But um, no, it's good fun, and again, another great way to stay connected to to people that you probably wouldn't otherwise continue to to stay in full contact with. So. Yeah, the footy season's obviously here in Melbourne and Australia has uh, kicked off in earnest over the weekend. And your Geelong Cats um, yes. were probably the, the team of the round. Uh, I would have thought they would have put a scare through most camps the way they uh, came out and demolished the, the Essendon Bombers. They certainly did. I must admit, much to my surprise, I was, I was a little bit worried heading into round one. The, the speed of the Bombers, I thought, might catch us out. But it was... It was a super impressive performance. Big Paddy Dangerfield looking back to his very best and the big Hawk just looking very ominous up forward. So don't get carried away with round one too much, Caddy. You see some strange results usually in round one. Adelaide knocked us off last year and they were one of the worst teams in it. So won't get too carried away. But also your boys too, Caddy, off to off to a nice start with a win under under the new coach. Yeah, no, pleasing to get the win. Yeah, it's hard to... Work out too many expectations around what they look like the Mighty Pies this year, but um, 
at the very minimum, I think the ball movement was a, a step up from what we've probably seen previously. And Better than the backwards attack. and sideways stuff under, yeah, under Bucks, a bit, yeah. A bit more attacking flair and a bit more chaos balls going in Richmond style, which might be you know, one of the things McRae and Lippich have brought with them. Um, there's a few times the guys just were prepared to kind of bomb it in there and along the ground, and it, it tends to put the defence under enormous pressure. So you know, I didn't mind the way they, they moved the ball on the weekend. And, and, a, and a very handy debut by Dacos, who's obviously been been pumped up the whole preseason, and he stepped in and looked like he's going to be a serious player. Um, and you could see St Kilda were really hunting him down too, so it was good response from the young kid. And, it, yeah, as I said, he's got a very bright future. But we're not here to talk AFL, Caddy, unfortunately. We're here to talk some NBA. And what we're going to do tonight is there's a lot of injuries at the moment that are going to play a big role in the remainder of the regular season and also the playoffs. So we're going to go through six of the main ones, Caddy, and I'm going to get you to rank these uh, from the most important to the least important. So the six injuries at the moment, we've got uh, the Steph Curry injury, which happened uh, last week. He's got a sprained ligament in his left foot after Marcus Smart dove for the ball and and took him out. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. We've got the Chris Paul injury, the hand injury that he's had for the last, I don't know, three or four weeks now, I suppose, and... Phoenix are hoping to get him back before the regular season ends. We've got the we're going to heap the Brooklyn uh, injuries and vaccination statuses together. So we've got Ben Simmons, and the latest report on him is he had to have an epidural in his back to help speed up the recovery process with the irritation to the L4 disc in his lower spine, which doesn't sound great. Uh, they're still apparently hopeful that he could get in a couple of regular season games before the playoffs, but I'm certainly not holding my breath that we're going to see Ben Simmons in a Brooklyn jersey at all this season. We've also got the Kyrie Irving vaccination status, which continues to go on. We keep hearing that perhaps they're going to change the laws, and we saw the ridiculous uh, footage of Kyrie Irving being able to sit courtside in a Brooklyn Nets game without a mask. But uh, anyway, so we'll see what happens with that vaccination status. We've got the Jarrett Allen finger injury caddy, which has derailed the, the gorilla season as well. He's uh, The Cavs are hoping to get him back before the end of the season. The John Collins injury at Atlanta, he's got a plantar fascia injury in his right foot. Also got a, a right finger injury, which is going to require him to wear a splint for the remainder of the season when he returns. He's going to be re-evaluated in 10 to 14 days. The Lonzo Ball knee injury caddy, which you know continues to go on and on. Apparently, it hasn't. the latest reports are is his knee hasn't responded all that well, and every time he sort of tries to to ramp things up, he, he experiences some discomfort. So the Lonzo Ball injury could play a key role in the remainder of the season. We've also got the Anthony Davis foot injury. The Lakers are hoping to get him back before the playoffs. And then the two injuries to the, the Denver Nuggets, uh, the Porter Jr. back injury, and also the Jamal Murray injury, which we did have an update on today. Uh, Coach Mike Malone did say that he's not close to returning to game action, which obviously doesn't sound great. So eight very uh, big and important injuries, Caddy. Which one for you is the most important of those for the remainder of the regular season and the playoffs? Yeah, look, there's a fair bit going on there, and I think all the teams you've outlined there are either in the playoffs or at least at a minimum in in the playing tournament. So I think it's probably, in my opinion, it's really looking at the teams that we we think or look at as, as championship contenders, really, that you talk about the effect of, of how serious an injury could be on their on their chances. So I'd probably still have Chris Paul at, at number one here. I, I just think um, as as much as we, you know, Phoenix have been able to you know, relatively well hold on to their position. In fact, incredibly well, really. I think they've won five on the trot as we record, and eight of their last ten, they've got a nine game buffer um, as the top seed in the West. So it's a pretty outstanding 
performance really because I think there was we would have been you know uh, when we were discussing the Chris Paul injury as it happened it would have been fair to assume that Phoenix you know if they'd gone perhaps 500 um, you know winning win loss over that time he was out that would be a reasonably fair outcome for them but they've done certainly more than that and 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 certainly has at least shown that they can be more than competitive with um, Chris Paul not on the floor but I just think if they're there you know really be a championship level threatened contender. They do need him out there and, and controlling things, running the floor and, and helping um, the rest of their teammates out as the as the playoffs get deeper and deeper. And I, I think that they'd be really confidently and, and well placed, even in the West as it stands. I think they should get a reasonably um, decent matchup in the first round. And then, you know, it looks like they'll play either Utah, Dallas or even Minnesota there in, in the second round. But um, I think they should be able to take care of business whether or not Chris Paul's there or not. I think it's when it gets a little bit deeper, Western Conference finals time. And then whatever the matchup is coming out of the East, I think it's going to be dangerous. And I think they'd want to have their forward general out there and calling the shots um, when it comes to that time. So I'd have the Chris Paul return as, as the number one most important one at this stage. And it's and, and again, it's around the length of time he's already been out. Significant, you know, time by the time he comes back could be in that six week range. Um and then, you know, what type of conditions he in um to impact straight away. So I'd have that as my number one at this stage. Yeah, well for me and I'm assuming you agree with me, Phoenix are clearly the, the best team in it this season and, and you you know as you said 58 and 14 nine game lead over over the second seed Memphis Grizzlies that they've had an absolutely outstanding season so it, it sounds like there for what you're saying is without Chris Paul you don't think that there are any chance of, of winning the title is it is that is that right yeah that's that's correct I just don't think they can get over um you know the four series that they're going to need if he's not a part of that it, yeah and that's no disrespect I don't think to Devin Booker or Aiton or Bridges or any of these guys but Chris Paul is the the heartbeat of that lineup and and the, and makes those other guys you know so much better around them and takes a, a lot more of the pressure off them too. So, but that said, I'd also say the same thing. Steph Curry's not playing for Golden State; they can't win it. And I'd probably argue at this yep. stage, you know, even if he is coming back, um, whether they're going to be good enough. But yeah, they they'd be my one too without jumping the gun. But I think Chris Paul's you know at a really high you know um, level where Phoenix have been at all year. They'd be the you know just about. I haven't checked the odds, but have to be close to being the championship favourite if not. You know the one or two, so you know they really need him back in that lineup and to solidify everything they've been building over two years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's not going out on a limb, is it, by saying that if their best any team's best players out, it's going to be hard to win the championship. But it's been it's been really impressive. You ran through the numbers, and you know they're seven and one in their last eight games. To be able to continue on and play such good basketball without their their number one man is. Is really impressive. You know, Devin Booker's taken his game to another level. We've seen him play make a little bit and, and, and distribute the ball. Mikael Bridges has gone up you know, in his scoring. He's gone through the roof compared to what he, his usual output is. DeAndre Ayton started to get some more shots. You know, we've seen him sacrifice a lot over the last couple of seasons. You know, when he first came into the league, he was almost sort of a 2010 player, but, he, but his scoring's you know, dropped right back since Chris Paul arrived at the Phoenix Suns, but he's been able to elevate his game back up and, and look to score a little bit more. You know, Landry Shamit today, for instance, had 21 points off the bench. JaVale McGee has just been putting up some crazy numbers in, in some limited minutes. So I think it's actually been, you know, in a funny way, a bit of a blessing in disguise to, one, get get Chris Paul, and we've spoken about this a couple of times since his injury, but, one, get him some good rest, make sure he's not nice and healthy for that deep playoff run. But two, also put some responsibility onto the shoulders of Booker and Bridges and Aiton and these sort of guys because we've seen, you know, Phoenix have been such a good 
uh, offensive team in the clutch this year, and that's purely based upon the fact that they're a Chris Paul-run team and everything goes through him. So it's good to see that they've got other avenues to be able to score, and if, you know, heaven forbid that Chris Paul does get injured again during the playoffs or has to miss a game or two for whatever reason, that they do have, you know, this run here to fall back on and they're not trying to learn on the fly. So we could maybe see a bit of a, a readjustment period when they do get Chris Paul back into the lineup to go from playing the way they are now to get back on the same page with the Chris Paul run offense. So hopefully for Phoenix, he can get a couple of runs in before the playoffs and they can readjust. But I do agree. I think that this injury for the fact that, you know, this is probably Chris Paul's last shot at winning a title and obviously Phoenix would love to get that for him. So I agree the Chris Paul injury for me is also the number one because, yeah, I can't see Phoenix despite their record over the last, you know, three or four weeks since Paul's been out winning the title without him. So, And, and to preempt what you were saying there, it sounds like that you were going to go with, with Steph Curry as your number two, were you? Yeah, pretty close between the two of them. I mean, yeah, I, I, the same theory, really. I just don't think Golden State are any chance at all without him. I think at least the prognosis with Steph is a little bit more shorter term and, and hopefully he's back in that two-week period because that'll still give him a, a nice running into the playoffs. But if it's any more sinister than that, then, you know, there's alarm bells ringing absolutely around the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, if he, if he gets back within two weeks, he'll have five more games left in the regular season. Um, you know, if that pushes to three weeks, obviously he gets a little bit more diluted. But as long as he's back for round one of the playoffs, I think, you know, that that's going to be absolutely fine in terms of the Warriors' playoff run, whatever that looks like and whatever you think that is going to be. But, um, yeah, clearly if, if it's, you know, any more sustain than that, then his importance to that team is just, um, yeah, it can't be understated. And we've now finally seen Draymond Green back into the lineup as well the last uh, week or so. And, yeah, that just gives them their full complement of players, which we've been, you know, really unlucky not to have, have had too much minutes on the court with Clay, Steph and, and Draymond. I think it's only um, one season. one game, basically, and, that, and that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, which is a real shame. So it's really hard to kind of get your head around where, where they're at in the pecking order with their full complement of players. And we, and we may not now have that opportunity, you know, right up until until the playoffs. So, yeah, they, they need Curry back. There's no doubt about it. I think we've seen that they've got relatively good depth in the guard spots. We know that guys like Jordan Poole can come in and, and put up, you know, good good numbers. Um, but, again, I think they're best suited if he's, you know, basically a, a good solid backup rather than relying on, you know, through a seven-game series time and time again. So, Steph Curry, for me, out of that list that we mentioned in terms of, you know, championship pedigree and making sure he's on the floor when the wits are cracking is be number two. Yeah, well, we've already seen what his absence does to the Warriors, that they lost that game pretty comfortably against Boston that he got injured in and then lost again today to the San Antonio Spurs who, who got a great game out of Josh Richardson with, I think it was about 27 points in the end. But, yeah, j- just to reiterate what you said, just so disappointing the fact that we haven't been able to see much of Draymond and Clay and Steph together. We've been waiting so long for it to happen and, you know, Clay comes back and Draymond's out injured and then Draymond comes back and then Steph gets injured. So... It's, it's going to be a really interesting run home for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you wouldn't think they're going to be able to drop too far down. They're 47 and 24 at the moment, good for the third seed. They've got a two-game 
buffer on your Utah Jazz, who are going along okay. They're not absolutely setting the world on fire, and Dallas have dropped their last couple of games, so they might be able to hold on to that top four seed, but you know, no doubt they're going to rest clay at stages over the remainder of the season, and they may also do so uh, to Draymond Green, but that, that'll get some good minutes into you touched on on Jordan Poole, who's been on fire of late. Just to go through his last few games, he scored 23, 23, 32, 20, 21, 30, 20, 29, and 28, shooting 50% from the field in all of those games. So we saw him start the year off really well, Jordan Poole, and then he hit a bit of a, a flat spot, but he started to come good now at the business end of the season. So once they can get all these guys back out, out on the court, and as you said, it certainly appears at the moment that this Steph Curry injury is more a shorter-term injury and maybe you can get back for the last sort of four or five games of the regular season and it'll be it'll be good to see sort of what firepower they can put out on the court with, with a really healthy list. But you, you, there's now a couple of injury concerns, isn't there, and question marks, I guess, over the Golden State Warriors. You know, Draymond Green, can he continue to, to be healthy with, with the back injuries he's had? Clay Thompson, can you count on him for... A long postseason run, given his injury history over the last couple of years. Steph Curry now with this injury, is he going to be able to get back to a hundred percent? You know, once you hit the playoffs, you're playing pretty much every other day. So we saw all those years ago when when Golden State were trying to win that second title, and Curry had that knee injury, and he, he did come back during the playoffs, but he was never a hundred percent right. And you know, we remember that that footage of him trying to uh, shake. Uh, Kevin Love uh, in, in the finals and couldn't quite do so. So we need Steph Curry at 100% uh, health as well. So wh- where do you sit now with the Golden State Warriors, Caddy, with question marks over their three best players? Have you sort of got them down in the pecking order in the Western Conference? Or do you think uh, it's as simple pretty much as just getting these three guys back on the court, even if they're not 100% healthy, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, you know, they've had a fantastic season when you consider, you know, the setbacks they've had, you know, waiting a fair bit of time for Clay Thompson to get into the lineup and then losing Draymond Green basically the day that he did that. So for them to, to carry on and, and have a 47 and 24 record through the 71 games at the moment, um, I think, um, you know, quite, quite outstanding, really. So I'd, I'd have them, look, they'd be equal first in the East as it stands at the moment, just about. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that in itself is a pretty good effort. So I'd probably have them, from the Western Conference point of view, I'd still have them as my second pick, I think. You know, yep. if, if those guys are on the, in the lineup, I don't think they're going to be sweating bullets too much on on really any of the other teams that they're going to be coming up to. Like, at the moment, their matchup would be Minnesota, if it's Denver, if it's Dallas, whatever it ends up being in that first round, I think they're going to be more than comfortable to take care not of an easy, the- Not an easy first-round matchup with either of those teams, though, is it? No walk in the park. You know, Denver, obviously, with the... The MVP Minnesota have got you know Cat and and Anthony Edwards can go off and even you know we've seen D'Lo do it as well so it's not gonna, and Luca obviously presents a challenge for Dallas so I think they need these guys healthy but I think you sound a little bit more confident than me. Yeah, look, I I am. I think you know at the start of the year you know we we're talking back to the level of you know are the Warriors back at that you know championship you know type of performance level that they we'd seen in the past and that's the level of play that they had and. That was without Clay Thompson in the lineup, and I think as much as he hasn't consistently set the world on fire, I think he's shown enough signs at times, particularly in the last fortnight or so, that he's still capable of putting up you know big numbers if he can get on a roll, and that really rounds them out if they can get their big man rotation in order and get Draymond Green being able to play uh, consistently bigger minutes, you know, in the small ball lineup to the five. It, it, it's certainly a winning combination that we 
we have seen before. And, you know, I think we've seen Otto Porter Jr. Um, return to some form the last game as well. So he's another important piece. Iguodala's due but, back too as well. And they've, they've just put him on the shelf recently and they're going to bring him back for the playoffs almost. Yeah, so I think they need all these guys up and up and running. Um, and if so, then I think they're, they're as dangerous as anyone in that West. And I'd, I'd favour them in, in any of those first-round matchups. Yeah, fair enough. When you've got that championship equity, you, you do tend to you know, exude some confidence that uh, some of these other teams don't. So we've got six left, Caddy. Which one would you rank as your number three for most important uh, for the remainder of the season and the playoffs? Yeah, look, I'd probably just have the Philadelphia conundrum. Uh, no, sorry, the Brooklyn um, conundrum there yeah. as my third pick. I, I think, you know, unless this vaccination mess is sorted out, I'm probably less optimistic that it will than I was even a couple of weeks ago. I think there was yeah. um, some talk around the fact that there was every chance it could have been eased off a little bit. But, yeah, just the circus that surrounds it and just comments that you're hearing at different press conferences from I heard one from the Mayor of New York the other week. And it just doesn't seem like seem that there's any sort of real push to have that turned over at this stage. And I, I think well, he's only that, new, isn't he, this mayor? So he's probably not going to want to walk in and appear to be a pushover and just change a, change the law from a bit of pressure from the Brooklyn Nets, I wouldn't have thought. No, that's right. And, and that's going to be the least of his worries. I mean, it's not a great look what happened the other day where he was sitting there on the sideline watching him unmask. Yeah. Um, and it really feels like it's a, a rule for one and, and nothing for anyone else considering other unvaccinated players from other teams can come and play in that arena and, and he, lo and behold, he can sit there and watch as well. So it, it is he ridiculous. He did get a $50,000 fine from the NBA, though, because he went back into the locker room after the game when apparently he's not allowed to. So he's allowed to sit courtside without a mask, but not allowed to go into the locker room. That cost him fifty k, which he probably found in his ashtray, but <laughs> just some ridiculous stuff going on. No, I think it's ludicrous. So I think, you know, realistically, um, we've seen the importance already of Kyrie Irving when he has come in. He's had a couple of big games in the last fortnight, a uh, 50-point game the other day. So I think... Really, I'd be at the point now where I'm just about discounting Ben Simmons coming back at all this season. I don't it's looking that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the reports we read this week would, for me, rule him out. And, and the fact he hasn't played for you know 12 months and, and we're only guessing, A, what type of physical condition he may or may not be in and, and it sounds like he's not in a great physical condition, let alone the mental condition that he, mental health condition that he's supposedly in as well. And that's a lot to ask of a guy to come in um, after 12 months off. And really, we're going to be at the doorstop of the playoffs by the time if it, and when he does come back. And then to integrate into a new lineup, I think I'd be prepared to now put a line just about through Ben Simmons for the season. Yep. And then if the Kyrie Irving um, mess isn't sorted out and we're still only playing away games, then I don't care really if they do get through the playing tournament, finish you know seventh or eighth. Um, you know, they're going to come up against Miami or Milwaukee or Philly, it seems. In the first round, and I think that's curtains. If it's you know Kevin Durant and half of Kyrie Irving and the rest of that roster, I just think just think the season's been too disruptive for them uh, versus the other teams they're coming up against, and it's, it's really about next year for me for the Brooklyn Nets. Unless you know the, the vaccination gets turned over in the next fortnight, and Ben Simmons has a miraculous recovery, and then maybe they're fair game and they could be the that sleeper team from the bottom part of the 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 eights, but. Um, yeah, I think at this stage, if they're looking to line up against Miami or Milwaukee in the first round, then there's just too much continuity from the other teams to have any um, to make them, you know, them feel too nervous against Brooklyn. Yeah, well, it's certainly looking that way at the moment, but I, I don't think either Miami will and or Milwaukee would be sleeping real easy knowing that they've got Kevin Durant coming out at them night after night in the playoffs. But when you look at the standings, 
they're 37 and 40, so they're, they're three back of Toronto. Toronto could potentially move up into the sixth seed, which Brooklyn will be looking for because Toronto uh, vaccination status as well. He, he's not going to be able to play the away game. This is Kyrie Irving, obviously, the away game if they do play Toronto for that first playing game. So there's a lot sort of riding on where they finish and where Toronto finish. And we've seen with Irving out of the lineup how much, obviously, it falls back onto Kevin Durant's shoulders. He's played... Played against Portland recently. He had to play 38 minutes and had 38, 6 and 6, and they only just got across the line against Portland, who were pretty much tanking at the moment. And then against the New York Knicks, he had to play 43 minutes and had 53.6 rebounds and 9 assists to just get across the line by 2 or 3 points against the, the Knicks as well. So we've seen how much energy Durant has had to expend against two basically ordinary teams with Irving out of the lineup. So, yeah, I totally agree. It's... I'm I'm leaning towards Simmons not appearing on the court as well for the remainder of the season, and you've run through, you know, all the things that even if he does appear, who knows what he's going to be able to offer. And then this vaccination status is just massive for the Brooklyn Nets. If Irving can't get get out on the court for for home playoff games, I, I can't. I agree. I can't see them causing too much damage at all in the playoffs, which would be a real shame. You know, we we were so excited to see them when they first got Harden. And, you know, we know what happened with that. And then when they first got Simmons, we, we looked at it and went, oh, this is a great trade. They now get a, a really good defender who can we, – we assumed Simmons was going to get back out on the court, not, maybe not straight away, but certainly within the first couple of weeks. But, you know, we haven't seen him as yet. So, yeah, it's if these two guys can get out on the court, they can cause some damage. But I'm in the same camp as you that there's, there's a lot going against Brooklyn at the moment and it's been a long trying season. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did exit the playoffs pretty quickly if these – Guys, don't get out on the court. Who have you got, Caddy, as your number four seed in this in these rankings? Um, well, I wasn't totally blown away with confidence when you mentioned that um, Jamal Murray isn't looking like coming back. But I think, yeah, unless him and Porter Jr., which we've touched on before, um, aren't available, then yeah, as much as and as heroic as um, Nikola Jokic has been, I just can't see them, you know, making legitimate pushes. You know, they're they're on a bit of a a losing streak as well at the moment. They've slipped all the way down to the seventh seed in the West. So that's a not an ideal situation. I don't think they'd want to be really entering into that playing tournament um, after the season that Nikola Jokic has had. But it just goes to show that he does need some support as, as great as he's playing. And um, Porter Jr. has you know, clearly had a really interrupted season. And that's, again, asking a lot of the guy with you know long-term Problems around in the back area to come to come in and contribute, but they're going to need him to do that. And as I mentioned, I think last time we sort of spoke around the Nuggets that unless Jamal Murray and Porter Jr. are in there, I just don't think they've got the championship you know, pedigree in them because it's just too too much left, too few. And you might get two or three, you know, fifty point Jokic games in in a series, but you're going to need four of them across the seven, the seven games. And I just don't. I think it's just too much to ask really on one individual and you know there's enough support around it Aaron Gordon and Will Barton and these type of guys but really uh, when it, the whips are cracking you, you need your best players out there so yeah for me that those injuries concerns um, and again it's probably me putting this all this into championship order of, of where I think these guys or these teams could potentially uh, finish at full strength and, and I'd have Denver ahead of teams like Atlanta and Chicago and Cleveland yeah. um, and the Lakers so I think that's where I'd have you know the the impact of those two guys um, coming back and how important they are to to the team. That if they are back, then you know, as I said, really behind Phoenix, I think it's pretty even in that Western Conference. And um, yeah, I'd give Denver a chance at, at full strength to 
to make a deep run. But without it, it I think it's um, yeah, just too tough. It, you might squeak a round out, but you're not going to go go the distance. I don't think. No, there's no way, and and I've been a Denver fan since they made the Aaron Gordon trade last year, and it was just such a shame for Jamal Murray to get injured when he did, and then Porter Jr. to go out so early in the season. You know, we we spoke about it at the time when Murray did his knee last season. It was effectively wiping out two seasons. It was last season, obviously, was gone, and and more than likely this season as well. So such a shame to have Jokic in the prime of his career. Obviously MVP last year, and it's going to go very close to doing again this year. And and we and we've seen Jokic's game just always rises in the playoffs. But as you said, you you know you can't you can't rely on him to score forty to forty five points every night and run the offense and rebound and 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 defend and do everything. Like he's in incredible condition, you know the best condition we've ever seen him in, and he's certainly gained you know a step or two on what we're used to seeing from Jokic. But that is just far too much to to put on his shoulders and. And it is, like you said, it's such a swing. If they don't have these two guys, there's no chance of winning the title. But if they can get both of these guys back at somewhere between sort of 80 to 90% health, well, then all of a sudden they're, they're a super dangerous team. So, yeah, I, I agree. This is probably where I would have ranked them as well because I'm a huge Jokic fan. I love what he does, and, and he just needs a lot more support around him, which obviously Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are more than capable of doing. So would you have... These guys, with these two healthy, would you have Denver as your number three seed behind Golden State and Phoenix if they do manage to get these guys back? I think that would be fair if they if we knew that they were back healthy and fit. I, 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 as you said, the report on Murray's not filling anyone with any confidence, and the fact we still haven't seen Porter Junior. And I don't know if you've had a, if you read out an update before on on expected no, time frame. I couldn't find one. Yeah, which I which I think's a bit of an issue as well. So. They've played the eighty, uh, the seventy-two games. They've only got ten games left in the regular season. So I think it's getting more and more unlikely that we'll <laughs> that we may even see either of those guys back um, this season. And because you really got to, you can't just throw Porter Junior. or I don't think Murray no. straight into into a playoff series would be a big, big ask. You need to get five or six games in, I think, um, of the regular season to to make sure that's going to be worthwhile uh, for the team. So yeah, if they were, you know the Porter Jr. and Murray that we know and healthy and fit, then I would have them as, you know, my second or third. Um, so maybe even second, I think that's how highly I rate Jokic and what he can do if, if those guys were around him, which is such a shame. And you mentioned the Murray stuff, two years really wiped out. They're just, yeah, two years of, of, of a guy's prime. When we're talking about Jokic, could be two MVP seasons and he just hasn't had his, his um, complement of support around him. Yeah, it's a real shame for, for the Nuggets and, and all the supporters. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they can get at least one of these guys back and, and, and make a bit of a run in the playoffs because it's yeah, it's disappointing that Jokic has had a couple of years go to waste. So we'll move on now, Caddy, to your fifth seed and who have you gone for for your number five? Yeah, I think this is the round of Chicago Bulls here in Monzo Ball. Um, and I think we, we trade Patrick Williams. Into there yeah, before he due back tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow, which yep. is um, yeah, an enormous outcome. Uh, look, I don't. I think it's fair to say he wasn't setting the world on fire even at the start of the season. But you know, still a young player in his second season. I think you know to get him back now at this stage of the year and get a good look at how he's going to fit in alongside that new complement of players where he just hasn't enough enough minutes on the court with them. Where do you um, think he fits in, Caddy? What where, what's his role? Is he just basically? Does he start? Is he just more a pure defender? No, what do you think? I, he's I think do? He, I think he'll initially come off the bench. Would be my guess and. And, you know, again, we're not expecting him to come out and, and put up big offensive numbers. But, again, 
this team and when it was playing so well was based around the defence. And, you know, they've got Caruso back in the lineup in the last week. Lonzo Ball, as you mentioned, you know, there's no definitive time frame on that. So at least if you can get a defensive-minded player in there who can play the four, play the three in Patrick Williams, then I think that at least alleviates some of that loss from the defensive things that Lonzo Ball can bring to the table. So it just solidifies... I think the rotation in particular, um, we've spoken about it at nauseam this year, that it is relatively thin um, once you get down the order. And, and that's been the case when they've had you know, multiple injuries this year and and effectively the, they struggle to compete. But there, there's some bigger issues around the Bulls. I think the fact that their record against teams that are you know highly fancied or ranked yeah. in the top four or six sides in either conference, it, it, it's pretty deplorable. It's up, up 16 or something, I think, last time I saw it. Yeah, so for them to beat up on the teams that they should, that, that's, a, that's a good start, but they really need to start you know, winning some of these games against some, some more um, tougher opponents. So look, now that they're getting some players back, I mentioned Caruso, we now see Patrick Williams alongside uh, in that lineup as well. So really, it's only Lonzo Ball that they're going to be missing. And you know, I think if they can get him back in before, hopefully they don't free fall um, out of the automatic six there. What are they now? One and a half games ahead of Toronto. They really want to stay in that top six and not get into a playing because they wouldn't have a huge amount of confidence even from a playing tournament, uh, tournament point of view. But if they can stay, you know, as they are now in the fifth seed, they'd get a matchup right now against Boston. Well, that's you know as well as Boston are playing, that gives Chicago as good a chance as any other matchup to to at least try and have a crack at, at a second round. So they really need to get this thing moving back in a positive direction, and, and Lonzo Ball would certainly help that. But um, in the short term, Patrick Williams at least. Gives them another another um, big strong body um, at the defensive end. Yeah, well, they're certainly going to need Patrick Williams if they end up drawing the Boston Celtics in the first round. He's going to have to take uh, Jason Tatum, so he's going to be very crucial. And we saw early on in the season how crucial both Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso were to the start that the Chicago Bulls had. Just defensively, everybody assumed they were going to be a very strong offensive team and struggle on the defensive end, but it was the the two guards that were really setting the tone um, for them defensively. And, in fact, Caruso's first game back was the first time they'd held a team under 100 um, since Caruso's last game, sort of highlighting how important he was defensively. Now, they've, they've been... They've been scored on pretty heavily in the in the last three games, but yeah, that, they've they've fallen in a little bit of a hole, unfortunately. But but as a Chicago Bulls fan, Caddy, where are you sort of where are your confidence levels for the rest of this season and the playoffs going forward? Do you think if they are able to get their full complement of players back on the court, obviously, you know, Demar Derozan's had a fantastic season. You know, are they are they any chance of causing any damage in the playoffs, or do you think that they're sort of looking at pretty much a first round exit? Yeah, I think the latter. I think it's been a terrific season. It's been good to get a bit more excitement into into the team, and they you know made some really positive moves in the off season. That that you know I think have worked out with DeRozan and as much as Lonzo's missed a lot of basketball, I think it's been a good solid pickup. And then you add to that the Vucevic you know trade last year. So at least they've been proactively improving the team. And I think you know the proof was in the pudding at the start of the season. I think they're probably a first round out though. I just think that the record. He just mentioned before around playing some of the, the top sides. It, it just isn't good enough. And I think, um, yeah, if they end up playing, you know, if it's Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, they're not going to be favoured in any of those matchups. And, and rightfully so. Um, but I think their best chance would be probably getting the Boston matchup. And, and then that would be their biggest, um, biggest chance of an upset, I, I'd think, at this stage. But I, but I think either way, if they can make, 
if they can avoid the play and, and, and an embarrassing tumble out of that, and if they can, you know, lock in a, a playoff seat, I think it's been an absolute uh, win for sure this season. When you think about teams that have fallen back, Atlanta, New York, um, and, you know, Chicago's been one of those teams that's been able to, to leapfrog um, back into the mix. It's been quite a few years, Cody. How many years has it been since the Bulls made the playoffs? Well, it's put me on the spot, but it'd have to be oh, three or four seasons at least. I, I don't know yep. if we go back as far as when they had Rondo and <laughs> Butler. And, yeah, and that, that would have been the last Blaine one. Wade, Wade, yeah. And Wade, yeah. might be as far back, uh, far back as that. It's been a bit of a, yep. a lean, lean shot. And, you know, they've had basically once they traded uh, Jimmy Butler, they basically, you know, gone to the draft. They had, I think, three pick sevens in a row effectively, and that turned into Markinen and Wendell Carter and Laurie Markinen. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a, a longer burn. Patrick Williams, obviously, as well. So, yeah, I think for them to get back in there with, with you know, making some aggressive moves um, you know, from their front office point of view, I think it's been exciting as a fan to, to watch it come together. And, you know, if it, if it means it's a first-round exit, well, you'll cop that. But, no, I think that, you know, all things, you know, if they get the whole team together, then, you know, a first-round upset. You know, if it is, Boston could, could definitely be on the cards. I think they'd struggle against the big, the big uh, teams, particularly Joel and Bede. Um, with Philly, I think he'd make really light work. Of not confident of the big Vooch handling and beating the paint, Caddy? No, not quite. And even, yeah, Milwaukee generally have their way with the Bulls as well. So, um, yeah, Boston might be their best opportunity. Yeah, well, I, I will like to see what Levine and, and DeRozan can do in the playoffs together. DeRozan's had a bit of a checkered playoff history, but I think he's sort of taken his game somehow to, to an all-time level. In, you know, I think he's in his 13th season or whatever he's in. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls go for the rest of the season, and hopefully they can get uh, Ball and, and Williams up and going leading into the playoffs. So we're moving on now, Caddy, to your sixth seed. Who have you got as the sixth most important injury for the remainder of the playoffs and the season? So oh, I'm going to reluctantly go with Anthony Davis. Oh, he's done it. Uh, <laughs> no, if you're going to go I, there, I wanted to leave him to, to eight because I just think it's you know just a waste of uh, you know really airtime and, and newspaper printing to continue to talk about the Lakers. But you know, again, I think it's the minute you put him back into the lineup, if, if he's able to come back in, then you know they are clearly a different team. Are they then good enough to, to do any damage? Look, I don't think so. I think um, we've spoken about that. A lot as well. The fact that, um, yeah, even when they were all fit, excuse me, fit and firing, that um, that they just didn't stack up uh, as a unit. And you know, LeBron James has had an outstanding season, but even you know everything he's doing now is not exactly um, translating to to wins. I mean, they're all the way down to tenth now, or equal ninth with the Pelicans. Uh, I can't see them falling any lower. They've got the two and a half game cushion on the Spurs. So unless the Spurs, you know, were hell bent on on making a move up, which I'm not entirely confident that they are anyway. Um, I think the Lakers should be able to really hold hold that position. And that said, I mean, I just don't think they've got any chance of making any dents. Um, not only if they're lucky to get through the plane, but as I mentioned, the best case scenario is a match up against Phoenix and its curtains. I think whether or not Anthony Davis is in the lineup, look, it'd make for probably a few more sleepless nights for, for Monty Williams and the, the Phoenix Suns. But um, yeah, I, I just think that the the writing's been on the wall for this Lakers lineup all season, and whether he's back or not, Anthony Davis, I'd, yeah, I don't think it's going to make a huge, huge difference. 
No, it's not not appearing that way. They're three and eight in their last eleven games. They, they had a good win against Toronto. Where did you see the play where Westbrook stripped it and then went down and knocked down the three? It was a a very good pa- passage of play. But then they had a disappointing loss to to the Washington Wizards, who led by Porzingis in the last quarter. I think it was sixteen, maybe in the last quarter to to come from behind to to beat the Lakers. They just look lifeless. It's it's pretty pretty clear that LeBron's just playing now to to tick off as many points as possible. We saw him pass. Carl Malone uh, during the week to now become the second leading uh, scorer of all time. So obviously a, a fantastic season. He's he's chasing the scoring title as well. So he, he's certainly got his mo- motivations uh, for doing that. There was one interesting stat, Caddy, that popped up during the week when, when LeBron did get to second on the all-time uh, scoring points uh, list. So out of the top nine players who who were the, the top nine in the all-time scoring list, Seven of those players have played for the Lakers at some stage, just sort of underpinning what what a you know a marquee franchise they have been. J- just on just on the Lakers, Caddy, are you watching the HBO series Winning Time? Well, I started it last night actually, and yeah, it was pretty late in the piece, but I got through about half it. I enjoyed it, so fantastic. Uh, I to, yeah, get back into that uh, when I get an opportunity this week. Yeah, I'm not sure Jerry West is all happy with how he's being portrayed at the moment. Is <laughs> well, the early scene was out on the golf course, uh, yeah. and, um, breaking golf clubs and all sorts of things. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, portrayal of what I've seen already so far. Yes, yeah, certainly that's been uh, blown up a little bit as he's basically been portrayed as a as a rambling lunatic who likes to drink vodka during the day. So I don't think he's all happy with that, but it, I, I love it. I think it's, it's it's looking great so far. So looking forward to watching the rest of that. But, yeah, I, I agree. Da- Davis back in the lineup certainly makes them – a much tougher proposition, but you can't have any confidence that that this Laker team's going to cause any damage. I, if Chris Paul's back and healthy for that for that first round matchup against uh, against the Lakers, I can't see them doing any damage. So finally, Caddy, we might be able to shovel some dirt on the Lakers and stop talking about them once and for all. So now moving on to your seventh seed, Caddy, I'm interested in who you're going to go with out of Jared Allen and John Collins. Who have you gone for as your seventh seed? I've gone with Jared Allen. I think. Um... Yeah, he's been a terrific player, an all-star level player this year. And I think the prognosis would is that he wasn't going to take the, the surgery or undergo surgery on, on the left finger. Um, Still on your roster, Caddy. You're hoping he makes some sort no, of miraculous recovery. Would you get rid of him tonight? Dumped him tonight okay. because I needed to pad out the uh, the second day roster. And, yeah, in the end, if he, someone else snaps him up, we'll so be it. But, um, no, I think if they can get him back in, same type of thing in Chicago. There are only any chance of doing anything with a full complement. I still think it's a first round out either way for Cleveland. But um yeah, you'd love to see him back in the fold. I think they did, of any of the teams Cleveland deserve to at least have a, as many as their players available for this tour. I think they've been the story of the year for mine. I just think um what they've been able to do consistently through the season with a whole heap of adversity thrown at them has been um, been absolutely tremendous. So yeah, I'd love to see him back out on the court for their sake um, now and, and, and really, you know, be able to take one of these top tens, whether it's a Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, who we think they'll match up against. You know, if they can take him to six games or something like that and, and really put, you know, a good, strong performance in. Um, I mean, there's certainly no guarantees. We saw what's happened to Atlanta from last year to this year. But uh, I think Cleveland, for sure, are on the right track with what they've done with their roster and, and certainly hope they can get Allen back in the fold by the playoffs and, and at least, you know, give themselves every opportunity as, as possible. Well, they actually haven't been too bad since he's gone out. They're, they're four and three since his injury with wins over Denver, Detroit, Indiana, and the Clippers. So obviously a couple of teams struggling there, but although Detroit have been playing 
uh, much better of late. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, they certainly need him back in the fold. And, you know, we've already ran through the injuries that they've had throughout the, at the year. You know, Rubio's gone down and, you know, they've just been, you know, Karis Levert's even only played a handful of games since, since they acquired him. So it would be a real shame to see another guy sort of go down and be knocked out of the playoffs. You know, we've seen a tremendous season from Dar- from Darius Garland. He's going to be up there in most in, most in the most improved award. Evan Mobley's been fantastic. Markinen's come across. He probably he's fitted in probably a little bit better than what everyone expected. So if they are able to get uh, Jared Allen back into the fold caddy leading into the playoffs, do you think there are any chance of doing any damage or are they just a, a feel-good story and, the, you know, maybe they'll get get to a game six, but they're, they're certainly going to be out in the first round? Yeah, I think that's the case for me. I, I, I can't see them upsetting Philadelphia, if, you know, if that's the matchup where it currently sits or it's Milwaukee. I mean, again, Boston might be the, the logical choice to go. If Boston can get up to the third seed, Cleveland finish sixth and, now, that's going to be as favourable a matchup as you could ask for, I think, um, preferring them over a Philly or a Milwaukee. So, um, no, but I think, you know, if they can get to the playoffs, have a competitive, you know, six-game series would be would be uh, more than par for the course, absolutely. And, you know, if they could cause an upset, fantastic. But I think the reality for them and probably Chicago would be a, a first round out um, at this stage. Now, Caddy, my powers of deduction tell me that you've got John Collins as your, as your eighth seed and Atlanta Hawks, 35 and 36, a tenth seed in the East. So they've got a about a four-and-a-half game buffer over that 11th seed Washington Wizards. So it looks like they're no danger of falling out of that playing tournament. But have the Atlanta Hawks, Caddy, been the most disappointing team in the NBA this season, given that they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals last year, which was a little bit of a surprise, obviously, that surprise win over the, the Philadelphia that led to all the turmoil that we've seen from Ben Simmons this season. But just a super disappointing season from the Atlanta Hawks and this John Collins injury just pretty much on the on the eve of, of the playoffs has, has just added to it, basically, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been a frustrating season uh, for, I'm sure, all involved in Atlanta. And I think the writing was on the wall early. Um, and again, it, it's silly to harp on it, but some of the commentary coming out of Atlanta, you know, early in the season, that things were all a little bit boring, and you know, we're all a bit <laughs> above, above some of this. Yeah, it's just a, a clear sign of a, a bunch of players that they clearly gotten ahead of themselves. And you know, they made the trade with Cam Reddish, which I didn't really love at the time. I, I thought they would have been better off at least holding that nucleus together a little bit and seeing what happens with the season and, and looking to make changes in the, in the off season, but. You know, with John Collins out, you know, they're, again, like like any of these teams, they're, they're certainly a lesser outfit without him. But, yeah, with, with or without him, I, I think, you know, they're probably the, the least of those teams or have, have had the worst year of all the teams we've mentioned, probably outside of maybe the Lakers. But, um, yeah, Atlanta, for me, like, what, what what do they have to do to get in? They'll play at, at this stage Charlotte in the first playoff game or playing game. If they get, get past that, they're going to have to beat Toronto or Brooklyn to get into the eight seed to, to have the honour of getting smashed by Miami. So, look, it's it's a first round out either way. Collins in or Collins out, but yeah, whether whether it happens or not, it's not going to make it one iota of difference. I think, and they really need to have some soul searching done over the summer, and and you know the management need to look at that roster and, and making sure that that's they've got things right there to to continue to build around Trey Young, and and if not, they need to make some moves and make them quickly this off season because. Um, yeah, you might get stuck in that uh, wheelhouse of uh, mediocrity uh, once again. Yeah, it, it, it is just so disappointing because when you when you glance at their roster, Young, Collins, 
you know, DeAndre Hunter, who's had his injury issues as well throughout his career and, and this season. Capella's certainly dropped off a lot from, you know, what we've expected from him over the years. Gallinari, you know, he's probably on his last legs. But they've certainly got enough talent. Bogdanovich off the bench. DeLon Wright, who they added. Okongwu looks like a really promising centre. So they've, they've certainly got enough pieces there. But for whatever reason, that just hasn't clicked this year. And, you know, you mentioned the ridiculous statements that we did here coming out of these guys who have never achieved anything, none of them, in, in their NBA career, saying that they were a little bit bored because they made one surprising run to the it wasn't even the finals, it was the East, the Eastern Conference finals. So, you know, imagine how bored they would have been, Caddy, if they'd made it all the way to the finals. They probably wouldn't have even turned up for the regular season, though. They would have been that bored. So, yeah, just a really disappointing season. And, and, and this injury to Capella, which they're saying they're going to reevaluate in 10 to 14 days, is just pretty much the final nail in the coffin for, for the Atlanta Horse. C- can you see, Caddy, that if they get Collins back and he's right and Trey Young catches fire, could they cause. Any potential damage, you know, Charlotte, Toronto, and Brooklyn are the, are the other teams in that in that playing t- tournament at the moment. Maybe Cleveland drop down and Toronto goes in. But could you see them being the most dangerous teams out of those four if if everything comes together, or is it, or is that just shot? I think it's shot. To be honest, I think you're looking at the playing Miami or Milwaukee, whatever way you you, you look at it. And um, yeah, if, look, if they got to the playoffs, I think that would be a fair comeback in the end from what's been a, a terrible season. So credit where it's due, I think it would be a good outcome if they could at least get into the playoffs. But they got their work cut out just to do that. And if they do, it's a bye-bye and probably um, in four games, I think, against either of those uh, teams, unfortunately, unless you, you get a you know a Trey Young 50-pointer to you know, kick things off on the road or something like that. But I think realistically, um, yeah, they're out of their depth uh, this season. Yeah, they certainly need to shore up the defensive end for next season, Caddy, because they've just been uh, leaking a lot of points. So that's something that they need to address in the off-season. So we'll call it there, Caddy. As I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a five-star rating, if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. And we also have the Facebook page up and going. You can jump on there and like the page, and we post all the episodes there every week. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.